0: name we pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all go ahead and take a seat. Good morning. <clears throat> wow. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Nate. Hey, do I look smarter with my glasses on? Or are you guys? <clears throat> you trust me more now? I used to, <clears throat> when I served in youth ministry and I was in seminary, which is like grad school for pastors, if you don't know what that is. Uh, I used to make the kids call me Dr. Nate, even though I wasn't a doctor at all of any kind, but um, it was so that they would be impressed with me. So, uh, now I have these glasses on. I know you're going to uh, say, what is he doing? So, I know they look like Harry Potter glasses. Uh, Where's Waldo? Okay, let me just throw all the jokes out there, okay? You can't come at me with nothing I haven't heard already. I uh, have a little bit of a cold, so... We'll see how this goes. But I wanted to share uh, some exciting things with you today, Uh, not only from the Word, but even from this weekend. So yesterday, well, Friday night, uh, there was a bilingual worship night here, which is great. And then Saturday, this place was full of the nations uh, being gathered here. For one, the Filipino festival that Ray was telling you about on Saturday saw, this is no joke, like over a 1,000 at least, maybe 2,000 people come through Uh, yesterday here, it was crazy. Those of you that were here, it was like people were, yeah, praise the Lord. This is very good. People from all walks of life, uh, hearing the gospel through a variety of ways and just having fun, just being on, on uh, church grounds and and learning more in a variety of ways. So that was amazing. And, uh, they were surprised. We were all surprised. And while that was happening outside with a ton of Filipinos on the inside, who actually where's Jonathan, is he in here? No, I don't see him. From CIDA, I mean from. Hey, there's Jonathan from Cancion. He's in the back. He's our drummer today. But he leads. It's called Cancion, and it's a it's a a, a school to teach worship leaders and musicians, uh, particularly for worship and for the praise of Jesus. So uh, they were gathered on the inside. So it was. You had a ton of Latinos worshiping Jesus on the inside, and Filipinos hearing about Jesus on the outside, uh, and a mix of all others in between. And uh, it was really fun. So a great day. And you know, we say when we came here, we wanted to be a community centered church, which means that we wanted to really be a blessing to the community around us. We want to normalize this space for the community. So it's not weird to be here. A phrase I'll use sometimes is that uh, us Christians happen to meet here. We just kind of happen to worship here. We happen to pray here, but this is really a community building. Uh, And so that we saw that happen yesterday, even more so. So you should be encouraged Uh, Whenever something good like that happens, I want you to realize that you have a part to play, even if you weren't here. What I mean by that is as we build something healthy, lots of things can happen, you know. So because you are invested in what City Light is becoming, that enables lots of other things to happen that you don't particularly do but you have a role in it because you're helping build something. You're, and you're using your what you got to help build something. So you should be encouraged that any investment that you've put into this church is creating that kind of outcome, even when you might not be present or involved in those particular things. That was not staff run at all. Ray and his team who are not staff, they're just members here at City Light, uh, did that all on their own. Uh, and so you should just be really, I was very encouraged yesterday and you should be as well. A couple other things is that Christianity 101, which is a class we're offering to you after the 11 a.m. service here in the co-working space to help you learn more about Jesus and grow in your faith. That is happening for the next three weeks. Please join us there. Uh, And then I'm doing a theology class for the next six weeks on Thursday nights after Restore. It's available in person or on Zoom. So if you want to check that out, there's information in the newsletter about that. And I wanted to bring your attention to it. Today's message is simple, and uh, I I told everyone it would probably be short, but I've made that promise before. Uh, I don't have the energy to yell at anyone, okay? So there'll be no rants today. Uh, This is like a lecture, okay? This'll be a Bible study this morning, but we'll see. Maybe the Holy Spirit will inspire uh, some vocal cords. But the message is called Bring Your Brick. Now, many of you who come to our pre-service rally, if I say, bring your brick, you say, Let's build God's house. Okay, there's a few of you that that come to this. It's something we say. We've actually been saying this quite consistently since the beginning. Bring your brick, and when you bring your brick, we build God's house. The idea of this is that you have to understand that every single one of us has a role to play in what God is doing here in this church and what God is doing in this city and around the world and what he's doing in his kingdom. That each one of you has a brick to bring and all the bricks are equal in terms of need. And I really, my, my, my big prayer this morning was that you would see through the eyes of scripture the importance of your role in the body of Christ. And that the lie the devil has given you, that there's only a few people who do certain things, or if we run a good service, or if the sermons are fine, that, 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 that you're not as needed. That would just be completely demolished. And that you would see the reality of the fact that you and the gifts God has given you and your role in the kingdom of God is just as significant as any other person in the kingdom of God and just as needed. And that when we all bring our brick, we really build God's house. And I want to encourage you this morning that God has a calling on your life that he wants to see you live out and fulfill that is significant and important. But what I hope to do, I feel like we've talked about this before, I hope to make this a little more practical uh, in terms of like, okay, what is my brick? What are three things that I can bring? I'm gonna show you three different things you can bring today. And I want you to think about this, uh, coming to church or participating in a church, is like a potluck, all right? You bring the chips, and I bring the salsa, and somebody's got to grab the drinks and the cups, and then somebody has the chicken, and you know what I'm saying? We all bring something, all right? And if you don't bring what you're supposed to bring, man, we have no chips and salsa. That would be sad to come to a party and to have a, a main dish. One time I had once, uh, I'm not very good at uh, ordering things, running events, or anything like that, okay? That's not my stronghold. And, and one time I had to run an event, and I was supposed to order food for the event, and all I ordered was Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets. I just had trays of chicken nuggets everywhere, just, just trays, and I didn't think twice about it. I thought, hey, that's great. Who doesn't like Chick-fil-A chicken nuggets uh, and some sweet tea? And then people started to ask, well, are there any chips or did you buy any fruit? Or uh, my boss at the time was like, did you get anything else? I was like, what else would you need? I have chicken nuggets. He's like, I don't know, some sides or something, like some salad, I'm like, which salad? He's like, a lot of people, you know. Uh, not me, but this is what it's like. We think, well, we got the chicken nuggets, you know, we have a service, we have a sermon, uh, as if that was enough. What I want you to understand is participating in church life is like a potluck. We all have to bring something to make it work and to make it uh, as full and great as it can possibly be. And so I want to show you three different things you could potentially bring Uh, To a service, to a lighthouse, to your friends and family, and participation in the kingdom in your neighborhood as you live out your Christian life. And for those of you who are here, you say, Well, this message sounds like it's for people who are already participating in church. Well, I want you to understand if you're not a Christian yet, or you're still kind of seeking these things out, or figuring out that God has a role for you to play and a community for you to live in. And until through faith in Christ, you've become a part of the community of God, you'll never find that place of belonging that your soul longs for, and you'll never find the place where the puzzle of your life fits just right. The reason why you continue to search for the right community or the place where your skills or gifts fit just right is because you were designed to participate in the community of God and to use the gifts God has given you as a piece of the puzzle in the kingdom that God is building. And until you enter into that kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ, the puzzle piece will never quite fit just right. And I want you to see today how God has not only designed you to participate in this kingdom, but what does it look like to put faith in Jesus Christ through professing faith through his life, death, and resurrection, and then join the community God has made for you so you can finally live the life God has intended you to live. And so whether you're here and you're already participating in church, whether you call yourself a Christian or whether you're very far from that, God has a word for all of you. So go ahead and open your Bible to Ephesians chapter four. There we go. There we go. That's great. Bring the energy. Uh, I'm going to read just sections, and we're going to talk through a few sections. We're going to start in verse 7. We're going to work our way to 16, but we're going to do three verses right now. So verse 7 says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended. Far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And you may be thinking already, this sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. It really, really does. Before you get too confused about what in the world is even being said here, I'm gonna stop, explain this part, and then we'll move on. But the first thing that we're gonna see from this section that you can bring is your gifts, okay? You can bring your gifts. You can bring your gifts, which in the realm of the kingdom of God is your spiritual gifts but can also include just time, talents, treasures, things that you can bring, things that you have. Basically, the idea is you can use what you got. All right, bring your gifts. Now, to explain part of this, that might be kind of, he ascended on high, led a host of captives. He ascended, descended, and he went up, down, down, up. You know, you're like, what is happening? Uh, Paul is quoting from Psalm 68. <clears throat> so if you go back and read that, it'll make a little bit more sense, but I'm gonna give you the summary version. Psalm 68 is about God's victory over Israel's enemies. And so now Paul quotes Psalm 68 Christologically through the lens of Jesus about Jesus's victory over our enemies, which is namely death and the power of sin. And in the Psalm, you'll see as well that part of the Psalm is this reality that there are these spoils of war, that these gifts come to God. And now Paul flips it and he says, now as a result of the spoil of war, God wins a victory over your enemies, and then he gives gifts to men, he gives to men and women, he gives the spoils of war, so to speak, of his victory to his people so that they can enjoy the victory, but also establish his kingdom. So this is all Paul is saying, it's basically, hey, Christ has won the victory, and he has proclaimed this victory, the lower regions of the earth, which would point to Hades, or the realm of the abyss. What what Paul is saying is, Paul, Jesus descended even to that realm, proclaimed his victory as Ephesians is talking about, the principalities and powers, right? Paul saying, Jesus has claimed a victory over the greatest spiritual forces of evil that you can possibly imagine. This victory is ultimate. This victory is complete. And this victory is realized in the fact that when he descended, he also ascended. So he didn't stay there, he didn't stay dead, and he certainly didn't stay in the realm of Hades. He descended and he ascended so that he might fill all things. So the idea now is that Christ is the victor, the leader, the conqueror, and he has given now these gifts. When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, right? So he sets the captives free and he gave gifts to men which are the gifts he gives to his people that they might establish his kingdom, which he's already won the victory for on earth. And so when you think about using your gift or participating in church life or even living as a Christian, it's really big because you are walking around with the power of Jesus Christ to establish his kingdom on earth, which he has already won and defeated. So, you have that kind of power and purpose in what you are doing, and Christ Himself has given you some of the spoils of His victory that you might enjoy it and walk in His kingdom. A spoil of His victory could be peace, enjoying the kingdom of God. But also, a spoil of His victory is the gifts that He has given you to establish His kingdom. This is why the first sentence, verse 7, says, Grace was given to each one of us. Something you can understand and write down is that your gift is a means of God's grace. Your gift is a means of God's grace. It's a means of God giving grace to you, which is why those of you who have experienced walking in the gifts God has given you actually draws you closer to God. You experience the grace of God when you use the things he's given you for his kingdom. You enjoy his nearness more. And is also a means of distributing the grace of God. How can I distribute the grace of God to other people? Well, I can use the gifts God has given me. How can I enjoy the grace of God for me? Well, I can use the gifts God has given me. Your gift is a means of God's grace. So to not use your gift is to leave an experience of grace on the table, both for yourself and for those around you. What I also want you to understand theologically about grace is that grace is not just forgiveness of sins, which is how we think about it, which is obviously wonderful and very important. But grace is also divine power for ministry. So grace is not just Jesus forgives my sins, that's his grace. That's certainly part of it and that's a big part. But grace is also the divine enablement or power God gives to do ministry. The word for grace, which is charis, is the foundational word for gifts, which is charisma. And so grace is foundational to the gifts that God gives. Grace is not just forgiveness of sins, but divine enablement for ministry. Grace has a proactive part about it, which is when Paul talks about walking and living in the grace of God. It's not just to enjoy God's forgiveness, but to enjoy his divine power, his divine energy working through you to enjoy the grace of God for yourself and to extend the grace of God for others, And what we see from this text, he gave gifts to men, is that everybody in the kingdom of God has divinely enabled gifts given by the Holy Spirit. You'll see this in 1 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> through 14, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4. This is a consistent theme throughout the Bible, is that every single person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ and enters the kingdom of God is now divinely empowered by the Holy Spirit to establish the kingdom of God on earth. Every single one of you. Amen. This is very important because sermons are not the only way that God establishes his kingdom on earth. And worship is not the only way that God establishes his kingdom on earth. He does it through a variety of means. He does it on days other than Sunday, by the way. He does this every day of the week. And he does this through you and me. He does it in things that may seem small to us. And he does it in things that may seem big. But the reality is that once you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And the Holy Spirit Activates, All right. Holy Spirit, activate. Come on. The Holy Spirit activates. All right. Some of y'all get me. Some of y'all don't. All right. So the, okay. The Holy Spirit activates something inside of you, which is part of the grace of God that enables you now. It's like a superpower that enables you now to do something you haven't been able to do before. Right, yesterday I was watching this movie. It's called Thunderstruck with my kids. Right, I don't know how many of you. It's Super random, but it had Kevin Durant in it. So my kids were interested. They wanted to watch it. And basically, the theme of the movie—they stole it from Space Jam—is that a kid swaps powers and he becomes Kevin Durant. Right, so now this kid who stinks at basketball. gets Kevin Durant's basketball powers. And Kevin Durant starts playing basketball like this kid, right? And everybody, nobody can believe how good this kid is at basketball now, okay? He stinks, he couldn't make the team, and now he's dropping 50 every game. And that's the point of the story. And I want you to see the same thing is true, all right, for you. Is say as soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, something divine, something supernatural happens where now you are equipped and empowered to do things you couldn't do before. And to do them at a level that you would never be able to do on your own. And God has placed you in a community so you can utilize those gifts for the good of others. This is why we say bring your break or another phrase I'll use is don't spectate, participate. Don't spectate, participate. This applies in service, right? Saying amen, raising your hands, being involved, using your gifts, serving. This applies in your life to say, do not spectate, participate. You are important to the kingdom of God and God has something for you to do. And those of you who are still trying to find your purpose and worth and value in being successful or famous or influential are constantly coming up empty. Why? Well, because you will never fulfill your purpose or what you are supposed to participate in until you enter into the kingdom of God. You were not made to participate in simply just being successful in business or being popular among people or being beautiful or being whatever. You weren't made for that to be the thing by which you live. It's fine to be successful. It's fine to be beautiful. These are all fine things. But you weren't made to find your life in that. And that's why you constantly feel like it's not working. And it's because you are trying to put your piece of the puzzle, right, in the wrong puzzle, which is the world's puzzle. And God wants you to place the piece of your puzzle, which is your life, your gifts, your desires, your talents. He wants you to place them in the puzzle of the kingdom. It's when they will finally fit. The only way to enter the kingdom of God is to put your faith in Jesus Christ, which some of you need to do today. What I also want you to understand, I love this part here in the text. It says, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So Jesus gives to each of us in measure, not in full, so that we'll need each other. Not a single one of you or me has the full measure of what I need, apart from each other. You'll see this in Romans 12 as well. He gives gifts in proportion. Some people have more faith than others. Some people are better at evangelism than others. The way this works is that, not that it releases you from responsibility. All these things are things that are required of us. We ought all to show mercy. But some of you find showing mercy much easier than others. We ought all to have great faith. But some of you are more prone to think positively than others. And so what happens now is you have the requirements that we're all supposed to live by, but none of us have all of those in full measure. And so some of you need more faith, but instead of trying to will it up in yourself, you need to find a person who has great faith and connect with them. Some of you need to have more mercy and compassion. You're too hard. And instead of constantly trying to do that yourself, why don't you surround yourself with someone that has a great measure of mercy? This is what the community of God is supposed to be like you do not have in full, you have in measure. God has proportioned out these gifts and nobody has the full measure of all of them. God has given them in measure. This is just like when you bake a cake, you know? You need a measure of water, you need a measure of eggs, you need a measure of milk, all right? This is how it comes when when we come together as the church, right? I need your two eggs, you know, and your cup of milk, and you need my three-fourths cup of water, and I need your teaspoon of vanilla. You see what I'm saying? And you have a measure that is needed to make the cake work. And if you don't do the right measure, and if you don't have the right stuff, it won't turn out right. Just the other day, my oldest daughter, who loves to cook and is pretty good at it normally, cooked some cookies that didn't quite look right or taste right. And I asked, what in the world happened to these cookies? And she said, well, I didn't actually understand the differences in measure between uh, soft butter and stick butter. And she didn't have the right measure, so she over-buttered the cookies, all right? Now, it is possible to over-butter something, believe it or not, all right? It it didn't quite work out that great, She didn't have the right measure... And so it didn't work out in the end. And I want you to understand the same is true for you and me, is that we have to have the full and the right measure of what God has given to us. And he has proportioned out the measures to one another so that community isn't something nice or an additional part of our life. It is an essential part of us becoming everything God intended us to be. And you will never become fully like Jesus until you surround yourself with people who have the qualities that you do not. And you spend so much time trying to get better yourself, which is fine to get better, as opposed to surrounding yourself with the right people. Because the world is constantly telling you to like self-esteem and build yourself up. But the reality is it's teamwork makes the dream work in the kingdom. We gotta get around each other. You need people who have a great measure of faith. I need people who have a great measure of mercy. This is how this works for one another. You need someone who can teach the Bible and I need someone who can do, you see what I'm saying? Who can administrate and organize things, okay? So these are the gifts that we have, <clears throat> that God has given to us in measure. We need each other. Okay, so bring your brick is first to bring your gifts, okay, which is why we do a spiritual gifts test and basic training to help you identify, which is why you should ask people in your life, hey, what do you think the Lord has you know, given? How do I help you? Or what do you think the Lord has called me to do? This is why you need to be in a lighthouse, Serving on a light team, these are the means by which you can bring your gift and find your gift. We wanna help you do that. This is big for us. And so if you don't know what that is, at the very least, ask and then bring what you got. Time, talents, treasures, you're good at things, you have certain resources, use what you got. Okay, the second thing you can bring is your effort bring your effort. The verses for this come from 11 through 13. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a lot to this, but I want to focus on this word work, right? So verse 12, to equip the saints, for the work of the ministry, the work is building up the body of Christ. So practically, what can I bring? You can bring a work ethic. You can bring some effort. You can bring some elbow grease, you know? You say, I don't really know what I'm good at. You know, those, there's players on teams that all they do is hustle. You're like, you can't shoot, you can't pass, you're bad at everything, but you're, you're just running around everywhere, you know? And you need one of those, okay? So you're like, I don't know what I'm good at. Well, you can be at least good at trying hard. Start there. Now, there are things you're good at, I promise, because God has enabled you by the Holy Spirit to be good at things. So don't woe is me, I'm not good at anything. I will not accept that because God has said otherwise about you. Don't do that. Oh, woe is me, I can't be as good at that. No, what did we say last week? Insecurity is a form of pride don't do that. God has enabled you to do something significant and unique. You have gifts. So we might need to help you find them. But while you find them, you can at least try hard. Everybody can try hard. Some of us are, are, are um, opposed to this. we we'll say, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, and most of ministry is simply that. It's just work. It's just work. Do you think all the thousands of people ended up here yesterday by accident? No. I don't know if Joyce is in here. She ran the whole event. That took a lot of work. took a lot of work. She had to use her skills. Ministry is work, and you can at least bring your effort. You can bring a work ethic. You can give it everything that you have. When you show up to church, you can give everything that you have. When you show up to your neighborhood, you can give it everything that you have. When you show up to Lighthouse, you can give it everything that you have. You can bear the burdens of one another. Most of real ministry is not flashy or like, oh, there's thousands and millions of people doing this. No, it's you helping carry the furniture of the neighbor. Like I hate moving people. Everybody does. When somebody asks me, I have a truck, you know, so I'm just set up for people to ask me those questions. But that's, that's ministry. It's work, okay? It takes work to build relationships. It takes work to forgive. It takes work to communicate. It takes work. The band gets here really early. It takes work for them to lead you in worship. Everything that happens takes work. Some of it, people can see it. Some of it, you cannot. But the very thing you can do is bring your effort. So to understand how God has organized this, some gifts are leadership gifts. So you see apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So some gifts God has given to help people lead. And the leaders exist to equip the saints to build, okay, to do the work. So here's something that's important. God does not give the church leaders so people can passively receive, but so that they can actively serve. Leaders don't exist to do the work for you. They exist to empower you to do the work God's called you to do. Right? The leaders don't exist as a substitute for you. I'm not a substitute teacher for what God's called you to do. No, my, my main job isn't even to teach the Bible. It's to equip you to fulfill the calling God's put on your life. Amen. And God has given particular leadership gifts. Apostles are people who are good at starting things. Prophets are people who hear from the Lord and are good at uh, speaking the Lord's will into culture. Evangelists are obviously good at sharing the gospel. Shepherds and teachers are good pastors. Like God has put these kinds of people in your world and in the world of the church not to do ministry for you, but to equip you to do the ministry God's called you to do. Leaders equip builders. That's what they do. Leaders are more like coaches than players. And although we are all obviously players in the kingdom of God, we all have things we are designed to do and we all must participate. The roles of the team, so to speak, are that coaches equip players. Coaches can't play for players. So when you think about, uh, uh, yesterday I was at my uh, son's baseball game, And somebody hit the ball and a guy, a parent over on the other side caught it, you know, and somebody joked like, you're out, you know, and everybody's like, oh, that's silly. Of course the coach doesn't count. You know, the coach doesn't count as a player. Well, the same is true for the kingdom of of the ministry of God to say, uh, it's not a substitute for that. Okay. We're trying to equip you to do what you're called to do. I have things I'm called to do. I'm also a player. We are all players in one sense, but in another sense, also the role of the leaders are to be coaches and to help you do the thing you're called to do and to play third base like you're supposed to and to pitch like you're supposed to. Uh, That's our job. That's what God has given us for you to do. So we are equipping you to build. So the work is building. So when you think about it, we are all construction workers at City Light, okay? We're all construction workers. Something my kids do. I don't even know why because they haven't even, I don't even remember them seeing this show. Every time they see a construction site, they'll say, there's Bob the Builder. I'm like, what are you talking about? We don't even watch that show, you know? Where did you see that? But I want you to think about it that way with this, you know? But there's Chris the builder. We should look. We should look. There's Clinton the builder, Missy the builder, looking around like he's the builder, 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 builder. Look at that person. They're building. We are all building the body of Christ. God has called you to be a part of building the body of Christ. Now, this is important. Since you are in the the business of building, that means you're not in the business of tearing down. And some of you are spending so much time tearing down that you have no time and energy left to build. I have said this a million times, we will not be a church that's always critical about what other people are doing or worried about that. No, 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 we are builders, not tear downers. We have come to build something and to do what God has called us to do, to do that as best as we can and to not be overly concerned about what other people are doing with that. And you are so concerned about what other people are doing wrong that you have put no focus on what you should be doing right. You have become so obsessed with how other people have hurt you. You put no focus on how you can build bridges of forgiveness. You are in the business of building up the body of Christ, not tearing it down. And gossip tears down the body of Christ. Bitterness in our heart tears down the body of Christ. Being critical of how other Christians do things tears down the body of Christ. We are builders and we must build together and we must build one another up. And every act of tearing down is like two steps forward, one step back. What we're building goes backwards when we focus on tearing down. Instead of focusing on what others are doing wrong, you ought to spend more time focusing on what you should be doing right and be a builder. Okay, this is important now because how this all works is it leads to uh, maturity. So look, this phrase for this is intentional community creates maturity. So now when we are building and everybody's bringing their brick, The community that exists creates the maturity, not the service that exists, not the programs that exist. The community creates maturity. Maturity here, the Bible defines maturity as unity in the faith and becoming more like Jesus. So we are unified around a common faith, both in knowledge and in practice, and we slowly become more like Jesus. I wanna point out just this one phrase from the text here. It says that until we all attain to the face, the knowledge of the son of God, mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me encourage you this morning that Jesus Christ is the standard for your maturity and growth. You know what's not the standard for your growth? What your peers are doing. You know what's not the standard for your maturity in life is whether you're married or not. You know what's not the standard for your maturity in life is whether you've made enough money or not. You know what's not the standard for your growth and whether you're adulting is whether you meet the measure of your peers. To truly adult and to grow up is simply to become more like Jesus which you can do at every level. You can do that single. You can do that poor. You can do that in any state or country. You can do that anyway. But you have made the measure of your maturity what your peers are doing or what you see people like on Instagram or what you wish you could be. All the while, God has made one standard of maturity. To grow up is to become more like Jesus. And though you may not be growing in the way you would like in the world, you can grow awesomely in the kingdom. Jesus is the standard for your maturity and growth. And you have made every other person or thing a standard to say, well, my life is complete when I become blank. And you're looking around and Joe Smoe's got this and Karen over there has got this and all these things. You think, and what does it say here? To the full measure of the stature of Nate Crewe. To the full measure of the stature, I'm gonna already use his name, Christopher Dare, To the full measure of the stature of your college friends, to the full measure of the stature of the influential people on Instagram, the person who has 50,000 followers, to the full measure of the stature of this peer who's made more money than you'll ever make, to the full measure of the stature of this person who's already had a wife and a family or kids, it's something you long for, to the full measure, and you're saying, Man, 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 if only I could blank, if only I could blank, if only I could blank, then I would be. And the Lord says, man, everything you need to be is in front of you and available to you in the kingdom. You can grow up if you'll simply grow up into Christ. And that should free you. That should free you from all of these standards you've put on yourself that are burdening you, that are making you discontent, that force you into sin, that make you manipulate or date the wrong person or get involved. You're taking shortcuts in God's will simply because you got the wrong standards. You're willing to marry the wrong person because you'd rather be married than in the will of God. And it's because you have the wrong standards. The one standard in life is to become more like Jesus. That's it. That is the only thing that makes you successful. That is the way to live a full life. And that is available to you in any situation, in any form of suffering. Your body may be going downhill, but you can become more like Jesus. What does the word say? Though the outer is wasting away, the inner is being renewed day by day. You gotta have the right standards. Then every day is a success when you become more like Jesus. You may have the same money you had yesterday. You may have the same discontentments you had yesterday. You may have the same relational statuses as yesterday, but you could become more like Jesus today. And that's a successful day. All right. All right. Finally, the last part here is you can bring your words. So you can bring your gifts, you can bring your effort, and you can bring your words. Paul says, So the man no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by doctrine, every wind of doctrine by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ." from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. There's a lot here, but the first though, just to make it as practical as possible, you can bring your words. Now, obviously not just any words, but what does it say? You speak the truth in love. Some of you are great at speaking the truth, but you do it with hate and anger. You wanna be right. And instead of the truth bringing life, it kills because you did it with the wrong spirit. And some of you want to be loving, but your loving has no substance because it doesn't have the truth. To affirm people living in certain ways that are outside the kingdom that will lend to their destruction is not loving. It's hateful. It's not loving. It's not loving to let people destroy themselves. When would that be loving? You think it'd be loving to let, let my kids get run over in the street? No, what do I do? I yell at them. Don't you dare run into that road right now, you know? It's not loving to do that. Some of you need to add truth to your love, and some of you need to add love to your truth. Either way, you need to bring words. You need to intentionally speak the truth to one another. A community is only as healthy as its ability to speak the truth to each other. And if you cannot speak the truth to one another in love, and that be a safe place for real growth, then the community will be unhealthy and people will not be victorious victorious over sin. They certainly will not grow in the worst areas of their life. A community, a family, a friendship, a marriage, a workplace is only as healthy as its ability to speak truth to one another in love. And this is when you need to cultivate this in your own life, in your own family. You need to use your words. What did the Proverbs say? The power of life and death is in the tongue. And you need to use your words to build one another's up. You should be intentionally encouraging one another. You should be intentionally challenging one another. We need to speak the truth. Like you ought not to do that way. In love, because I want what's best for you. We need to be able to do that. And if we shy away from that, we will simply be superficial in our relationships with one another. And we also will not be mature because what you saw was that community creates maturity and maturity creates stability. Look at, so verse 14 says, I don't want you to be like children anymore. I want you to grow up. And some of us are substituting childlike faith for a childlike lifestyle. The Bible does not commend everything about children. It's certainly good to have childlike faith. It is not good to stay childlike in your thinking. It is not good to stay childlike in your lifestyle. He says, you need to grow up. You need to fully adult because then you will become stable. The reason why when culture changes their mind or when a new idea gets put out there, look at that, you may toss to and fro. You're just like, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about this? Or this person says that, or this came out on YouTube. I watched a 30 minute YouTube video, you know, and completely destroyed my faith. This is what's happening, you know, just to and fro, to and fro, to and fro, to and fro. Why? Well, because you're not rooted in the truth because community brings maturity. Maturity creates stability because then it becomes a safe place to guard against bad doctrine when we can speak the truth to one another in love. You're not rooted. So you're easily thrown away. Your faith is not secure, why? Because it's not in community. Maturity creates stability and God wants us to be stable in him. The way to create stability is to speak the truth to one another in love. Do not confuse childlike faith for a childlike life. Some of you just need to grow up. And that's the challenge of God on your life today. And once again, growing up is not in the measure that the world thinks, but becoming more like Jesus. This helps us grow in maturity when we speak the truth and love to one another. So these three areas of our life, bring your gifts, bring your effort, bring your words, bring your brick. Don't spectate, participate, and help build up the body of Christ. Everybody good to do that? Amen, amen. Let's pray and let's worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your love. I pray that you would help us, Lord, participate in the work that you've called us to do. That you would help us to make you the standard, that we would become more like Jesus. I pray that you would encourage each person here that you have called them, that you have a gift, gifts for them to use, that you want them to participate, that they are needed, each soul, Lord. And I pray those that are not in the faith yet, that you would convict them of their sin and they would repent and believe in you and that they would finally live out the purpose of their life through following Jesus. Thank you for your grace towards us when we mess these things up. Lord, you are perfect in your kindness and mercy towards us. And I pray that City Light would be a place where we simply become more like Jesus in every way, just a little bit more every day. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you stand?